You're listening to an Anderson Entertainment production. This episode, we're steering a course for heaven in Fab Facts. There's drama aplenty in the randomizer. And Shaki the Vicomte is back for Volume 2. That's all coming up in Pod 219. Of the splendid Jerry Anderson podcast, don't you know? Let's get started. Let's go. Spectrum is green. The Jerry Anderson Podcast with Jamie Anderson and Richard James. Hello uh, just a minute, there. just ju- just a minute. What? I, I, it, there's something I haven't done for a while, and I feel like I should get it out of the way now. I'm preparing my jazz hands because I think I know what it is. It's the Jerry Anderson podcast. I mean, I actually did it. <laughs> not that you can hear on on audio, you but did? I, I properly oh. jazz handed it up Brilliant. there. Oh, um, that's nice. Thanks. Yeah, no, that's fine. Feel better now. It's always nice to hear you in fine voice and fine fettle. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I what, what yeah. is fettle? Fettle. Yeah. Uh, fine fettle. Yes. All uh, right. Do write in podcast at jerryanderson.com and let us know. Okay, fantastic. Well, him over there with fine fettle uh, and mm-hmm. fine splendiferous voice and perhaps wearing yes. a monocle by the sound of that intro uh, is uh. Richard N. James. Yes, and him over there, well, in slightly tarnished fettle, if you don't mind me saying, oh, Jamie. Rude. You look like you've been very busy, been <laughs> all over the place, doing all sorts of stuff. That's I'm Jamie Anderson. Uh, well, and that's his handle on Twitter, but his actual <laughs> name is Jamie Anderson. You're just making this needlessly complex now. <laughs> I know, I know. I didn't think it through. Uh, you clearly not. Well, at the very end of this podcast, we'll be joined by Chris Dale, who's at Chris Dalek yes. on Twitter. He's also known as the <laughs> yes. Randomizer because he chairs a section known as the Randomizer. Uh, where he has a machine called The Randomizer. He presses a big red button on it, and it picks a random episode of a random Jerry Anderson series, and he watches it and says things, and it's become the listener's favourite, the Podstron's favourite. Oh, uh, yeah. Which is rather lovely. But between this point and that point, there are many other things, which include... Uh, ah. A little bit of Fab Facts coming up shortly, uh, where I pick hey. a Fab Fact from a book of Hang Fab on. Facts and read it to you, and you oh. find it pretty fab. Uh, there's the Jerry Anderson news, of course, because right now there's new stuff happening right across the Jerry what Anderson on universe. Uh, Richard said some other stuff about that. Oh, we've got an interview this week. Uh, who's the interview with Richard James? Ah, well, that's the second part of your interview, Jamie, <laughs> with uh, Shaki Levegant talking all things UFO and the new comic. Uh, the- graphic novel uh comic, comic anthology in fact uh, near enough <laughs> it's one of those sort of words for. i wasn't expecting to have to say all this I because know, you're uh, saying my bits but that's it between all those things when richard james isn't struggling for words he won't be struggling because he'll be reading out all sorts of emails and tweets and facebook messages oh. from the lovely postrons uh, wow. that have been writing in to podcast at jerryanson.com and posting things on our facebook group now if you'd like to join the facebook group you can go to facebook dot com slash groups slash posterons what is going on you have to answer one question and we'll let you in there won't you richard james am i being phased out is that what's going on here (laughs) and nobody's told me i just felt like changing things up a bit and uh yeah it's exciting i i mean it's it's like a breath of fresh air isn't it yeah there is one thing you forgot what 
don't forget you can subscribe to us on whichever platform you're listening to us on leave us a lovely rating and let us know how we're doing and also why not share the link on all your socials so your friends get to hear us too I can't believe I forgot that bit but I remembered most of the other things with a few hesitations and deviations amateur yeah well that's how it works one of us has got to be so without further ado I would like to take us directly into your favourite segment and mine and that of the Posterons too wow okay the random no it's fab facts wait oh now time for this week's fab facts yes it's fab facts where i've got a book of fab facts yes. and uh, i flick yeah. through it and yeah. richard shouts fab and it starts me flicking and then i read you a fab fact from the book and it's probably maybe fab or not <sighs> maybe <laughs> yeah that's all i can say really so richard james yeah. are you ready and primed with your fab born ready oh gosh that's I almost like felt that? your hot breath in my ear then, as I'm sure the posturals did. So they're Not all now. again. Yeah. <laughs> Special occasions only <laughs> and pod 219. Right, here is the book of fab facts. Let's flick and you can fab. Here we go. Fab. Now, I, I, I slightly was naughty there mm, because I cheated. flicked very slowly. I noticed. But it's because quite often we skip over the early stuff and I thought, wouldn't it be nice if we had something from, well, pre-1964 where our sure. uh, st- fab, fabs normally, fab facts normally start from. And yeah. as luck would have it, we've landed in 1962. Crikey. Now, Richard James, you've heard of uh, a little show called Fireball XL5, haven't you? It rings a bell. Well, of course you have. Uh, and uh, one of the show's most popular elements is the end title song, uh, Fireball, yep. performed by yep, Don yep. Spencer. Oh, I love it, yeah. Now, I'm sure you yep. all know the lyrics, so you don't need reminding, do you? I, you know what they are? Well, no, I think you should at least refresh our memory. Really? Oh, come on. Okay, well, since we can't afford to have the clip from the actual audio... Oh, uh, you're going to sing it for us? Uh, <laughs> yes, they go, it goes something Great. like this. Hang on, let me just settle down oh, right off you go. Uh, <clears throat> nope, off you go. I wish I was a spaceman, the fastest guy alive. I'd fly you around the universe in Fireball XL5. Way out in space together, conquerors of the sky. My heart would be a fireball. A fireball Every time I gaze into your starry eyes Now, unfortunately, there's some uh, more. What? We take oh. the path <laughs> to Jupiter and maybe very soon uh, yeah, We cruise sugar, along the Milky Way yeah. and land yeah, upon milk, the moon To oh, a wonderland of stardust We'll zoom our way to yeah, Mars right. Lovely. My heart Thank will be much. a fireball a fireball, Ooh. cause you would be my Venus of the stars. And then it goes, you know, on a bit. Well, bum, 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 I mean, fa- fa- that was worth the price of admission on its own. <laughs> Which thankfully is free. So, <laughs> yeah. that's the television version. Right. However, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also the one that was performed at Standby for Action, the concert back in April, and very nicely yeah. done it was too. Nicely than there. More nicely than there. Now, the version that was released commercially back in 1963, and which has appeared on many compilation albums since, included a final verse, which was never heard on TV. And it went like this. 
<laughs> but though I'm not a spaceman, famous and renowned, I'm just a guy that's down to earth with both feet on the ground. It's all imagination, I'll never reach the stars. My heart is still a fireball, a fireball. Every time I gaze into your starry eyes, there you go. Oh, Something like that. Well, I've got a new ringtone for my phone. Thank, Thank you for that. Goodness, so do we, so do I. Now, now that's that version. And again, what? we're probably not telling many people anything they don't already know. However. Okay. Were you aware that there are, in fact, four verses of the oh, Fireball no, come song? On. <laughs> oh, no. <clears throat> the, I wish uh, we'd never started. The one I just sang, in very heavy yeah. inverted commas, uh, was the fourth verse. So the third verse is actually the one that almost never gets heard. Okay. Richard James, would you like to hear the rarely heard third verse of Fireball? I mean... You know I would. Oh, God. Okay. Then here we go. We'd make our way to Mercury and travel wide and far. We'd take a trip to paradise and wish upon a star. We'd steer a course for heaven. Love would be our guide. My heart would be a fireball, a fireball, cause you would be the angel by my side. Uh, that's Aww. always written for you, isn't it? Uh, from oh, from me to you. Oh, how lovely. So, isn't that sweet? It, now, it's very sweet. It's a lovely song. As of the time of this recording, we have been unable to find any version of the song that uses all four verses of the original lyrics and that combined with uh, okay. the cost of using uh, clips from the original means that you've just had to endure my singing however <laughs> yeah. our very own Chris Dale informs us that at least one cover version of Fireball has been recorded using all the lyrics uh, uh-huh. as one with a female vocalist was used by one of the ITV regions, possibly Central, on a promotional trailer for the series when it was repeated in the mid-1980s. Uh, okay. Now, Chris used to have it on a VHS tape. Uh-oh. Until the tape broke. Ah. So, Posterons, your homework this week, should you choose to accept it, and I thoroughly recommend that you do, is to track down that version, or indeed any version of the Fireball song that incorporates all four verses. Please do that, nice. so I never have to sing it again. Thank you so much. Yeah. Ah, you're in fine voice, Jamie. That was very nicely done. Well, <laughs> thank you. We were talking about being fine, fettle, fine, fettle in voice. I mean, they're lovely. Yes. Barry Gray's uh, lyrics, and I'm assuming they're yeah. all Barry. They they feel mm-hmm. quite Barry. Were mm-hmm. I don't know. They, they, there's just something lovely about them. Yes, I agree. It's very sweet. Yes, tra- travel wide and far so that he could. Mm. Then rhyme it with Wish Upon a Star. I mean, it's yeah, just that's right. That's just right. lovely. Uh, so yeah. quite nice to hear. And it is probably the best known thing about Fireball, I would say, the song, isn't it? I think that's fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, no smear on the uh, character of the show itself, but mm. it is a damn good tune. Yeah, it is. You're right. And damn well sung as well. Uh, by Don Spencer. Yes, absolutely. Oh, yes, obviously. Uh, yes. Yeah, just checking. Anyway, there you go. A uh, little musical one this week. I uh, hope you sort of enjoyed it, maybe. And uh, if you didn't, then you can take your finger out of, fingers out of your ears now. Anyway, there we go. That's the end of this week's... Sun, Sun Fact! Fact! Oh, 
<laughs> Sung song, yeah. That's close enough. Yeah, near enough. Yeah, well done. That's very good. I must give you my agent's number before uh, we finish the podcast. I'm sure she'll be very interested. <laughs> the rising young talent in the musical theatre world. Oh, there's no need to be uh, a patronising. Well, I mean, we only, spoke, we, we only spoke last week, didn't we, about you hoofing across the stage in Oxford for uh, Strictly Oxford or whatever it was a few yes, years back. Yes, yes. So, you know, absolutely right. Combined, I mean, you're a triple threat, Jamie. That's what they call you in the business. You can <laughs> sing, you can dance, you can act. Uh, wow. Yes, yeah, that's. Uh, far. I don't know. I don't know where you heard any of those, but thanks. Uh, <laughs> and have we got anything to distract us from what's just happened? I yes, feel like we need some right. messages from posterons. I think that's probably fair enough. Now, over in our email postbag, that's podcast.jerryanderson.com, all our lovely posterons have once again been getting in touch over the past few days and weeks. For example. Emma Beadle says, Hello, gentlemen. I hope you're all well. A few weeks ago, there was a post from one of the podsterons which you covered on your pod where people would say where they listened to you, but wrote it in the format of I did insert activity with Richard and Jamie. Well, I've had a busy few weeks, says Emma, but would like to add mine. So I do inquiries in my unmarked police car with Richard and Jamie. Oh, how cool is that? That might be one of the coolest, I'd say. Yeah. Emma continues, I also drive home after staying on for an 18-hour shift with Richard and Jamie, keeping me awake so I get home safely. Thanks for the company. On another brief note, I recently bought Space Precinct and have to say I loved it. Thanks again for brightening my week from Emma Beadle. Well, isn't that great? She loves Space Precinct and she's out and about in her patrol car. Uh, Unmarked. Yes. Uh, Unmarked, fair enough. But I wonder well, if she's ever cool. tempted to th- sing the theme tune as she's driving along. I mean, if I was in a chase or something, I'd be there singing the theme tune for yeah. sure. Absolutely. Awesome. Uh, Pen Quiller says, hi, uh, Jamie and Richard. I only became a regular Podstron around Pod 100. I mean, to be fair, that's almost three years ago, so you're not doing too badly. <laughs> it's a long time. Uh, <laughs> I know. And I'm still catching up on some of the back catalogue. Oh, that's a treat, isn't it? Pen says, I've just listened to the interviews that you recorded with Samira Ahmed and Kevin Fong on Breakaway Day 2019. Cool. At the end, Jamie suggests that they make a date to watch and comment on a Space 1999 episode for the next Breakaway Day. Little did we know that by September 2020, the world would have been changed by COVID. And I'm guessing Kevin, at least, would have been far too busy. Is there any chance of reviving this idea for 2022? Or is it too late to get this arranged? Thanks for so many enjoyable hours of listening. Uh, And that's from Penn Quiller. Nice idea. Uh, Yes, I mean, it's certainly never too late. I mean, it was a, yeah. a thoroughly enjoyable uh, chat. I say chat. Thoroughly, yes. thoroughly enjoyable time <laughs> listening to Samir and Kevin. You, uh, you gave them a good listening to, didn't I you? I did. I'm <laughs> good listening to. It was great. <laughs> but I think I think watching some apps would be great. So, uh, yes, never say never. Fingers crossed. Maybe. Wouldn't that be nice? Yes, that would be nice. Uh, Tom Hodden, who we know and love, says, Gents, might I offer some brief suggestions to improve future DVD and Blu-ray releases? Now, Why interesting. Not? For example, a Joe 90 era 404 mode. Selecting this viewing option means that once Joe has entered the big rat, his audio is dubbed out for dialogue by one of the following selected randomly. Beaker, a Dalek, Chewbacca or a Clanger. <laughs> I've watched uh, Joe 90 as a clanger for sure. <laughs> yeah. Or he says, what about the Captain Scarlet drinking game captions? Subtitles appear, urging viewers to knock back a shot whenever Colonel White lists something cloud base is not. Or the Mistron rings appear, or when somebody says they're fine, etc. Or, if you don't like that, how about Torchy episodes, rescored with a horror movie soundtrack to better suit the action on screen? 
Uh, and finally, yep, Dragon's Domain Sofa Vision. If you're still terrified, but a bit big to fit behind the sofa these days, fear not. The episode will be suitably obscured with a choice of sofa patterns. <laughs> he says, I think you agree. These unique features will make future releases unlike any other DVD on the market. Yours, T. Hodden. Yeah, I think we can agree with that, Tom. Absolutely. Nice. Nice ideas there. Yeah, yeah I'll pass them on to the powers that be at network and see what happens. Exactly. Uh... <laughs> Precious little, probably. Anyway, Correct. Uh, and finally, for now, David Folgate gets in touch to say, Hi, Jamie. I'm currently in the King's Arms in Cookham. I'm gutted as the plaque celebrating Parker's birthplace is no longer here. What? Any idea what happened to it? And that's from David Folgate. Well, yeah. I hope you well, can hear from the incredulity of my tone that I have got no idea and didn't even know it was missing. Why is it missing? That's right. That's right. I, I'm assuming it's been moved to another part of the pub or upstairs or, I don't know, maybe even to a room because I think it's a hotel as well. Well, Richard aren't. James, so, uh, you live near mm. there. Can't you go down True. and give them a damn good True. drinking from? <laughs> OK, I could certainly do that. OK, that sounds like a fine idea. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes, I'll look into that and see what my uh, investigations turn up. Thank yes. you for that, uh, David. Uh, that's all for now. But in the meantime, do send in your thoughts and comments to, as ever, podcast at jerryanderson.com. Uh, let us know what you think of all the latest releases and content that are coming out at the moment. Let us know your favourite uh, classical series from the uh, back in the day, what you grew up watching uh, and what you're watching now. Send it all in and I'll read it all out. Yeah. Please do all those things and many more. Hmm. Well, whatever yep. you want, really. Just send send Pretty interesting much. things. What was the... Uh, yeah. Send interesting gubbins, S-I-G? I don't know. <laughs> That's it. That's a good one, yes. <laughs> well, there's, there's always some terrible um, acronym yes. that we can pop in. Anyway, Richard James, would you like some Jerry Anson news? Oh, I'd love some. Do you have some spare? I'm going to wedge it in whether you like it or not. So oh, stand by. There's a little sniff there as well. It's the, I uh, it's the Jerry Anderson news with added <laughs> sniff. Newsy, news. Wait, wait, wait. Newsy, news, news, news with added sniffy, sniff, sniff, sniff. sniff. <laughs> uh, amazing. Uh, I can't believe that stuck when you originally added in newsy, news, news, news. And here we are all this time no, later. It's I know. amazing. It wouldn't um, be the same without it, would it? It would definitely be a different tone and maybe for the well, worse. I, I tell you what. I tell you what, Jamie. Next week, I'm going to try it without it and see how really? it Really? Yeah, okay. If I remember. <laughs> okay, all right. I've, Off you go. Yeah. I'm already feeling a bit uncomfortable about it. Um, hmm. In fact, I don't know if you can hear, but Eric is growling in the background at the thought. Oh, right. Yeah, so you may have to reconsider that. Rethink. Yeah. Anyway, speaking of Eric growling, it's yeah. almost time to enter the danger zone. Okay. Yes. Thunderbird's Danger Zone, our brand new cooperative card game. Oh, is yes. uh, shipping the end of this week. So if you've pre-ordered, uh, hopefully you'll get it on or around Friday this week, maybe over the weekend, maybe just pushing into Monday next week, depending on where you are in the world or in the country. But uh, yes, the game looks fantastic. Uh, my sample version has just arrived. Amazing thing nice. it is. Play seven original missions, episodes from the classic series by assigning uh, resources every go a different player gets to be Jeff so you are forced ah. into the hot seat to decide what to do with the resources av available to you um, and Great. it is possible to fail your mission you may not Ooh. succeed uh, mm -hmm. so you may end up you know letting Eddie Hausman fall to, fall to his death potentially in uh, right. End of the Road yes. um, okay 
It's a really, really lovely thing. I think it's a great experience. And Andrew Harmon, who's designed it, has designed it so that whether you are a Thunderbirds novice or an aficionado, and likewise, if you're a cooperative game uh, novice or expert, you yeah. can still play and enjoy this game. Yeah, He's great. done something very, very special there, and I think it's yeah. going to go down a treat. Um, nice. So over the next few days, depending on when you're listening to this, we are releasing a little playtest video so you can see how the gameplay works a mm-hmm. uh, few reasons to play five you know top five countdown reasons to play uh, there's a two-part interview with andrew over at the jerry anderson website which is quite a long read but will really give you some insight into just how much effort and love he has poured into this thing and we can't oh, wait to hear your stories of gameplay really how many times did it take you to successfully land fire flash did indeed you allow eddie hausman to, f- to fall to his death and how did you deal with the imposters? Um, all these things and more await you in the Danger Zone. So if you would like to get your copy, go to ander.dotson slash Danger Zone and uh, you can grab it there. I'm very excited anyway. Uh, now, yeah, nice. the ideal place to play Thunderbirds Danger Zone is obviously in your man cave. Okay, yeah. Or sure. woman cave. Uh, yeah, person, or person cave. cave, whatever cave you've yeah. got, or, if or you, how about just a cave, or a cave if you're feeling particularly um, troglodyte. Uh, is, that, <laughs> is that the word I want? Probably not. Yeah, that's good. Anyway, yeah. wherever you want to play, uh, wherever your kind of room of uh, sort of special cult collectibles, or the place that you like to hang out and I don't know, do mechanical bits and pieces, maybe a garage or a garden shed. Right. We've got something for you. Oh. Yes. Born from an idea of wouldn't it be cool if dot 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 uh, yeah. a discussion some months ago I said wouldn't it be cool if you could have a Thunderbird one launch bay sign on your wall? Okay. Well, nice. There is one now, funnily enough. I know oh, it's really niche, 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 niche. It's a it's yeah, a yeah. really real sort of silly bit of fun, but I really really like it. And one is Love already it. adorning my office wall. So if you want to go and grab one from the Jerry Anderson store, just search Thunderbird 1 Launch Bay Sign uh, and you'll find it right there. And by popular demand, we've got quite a few 1612 and Backman model kit products back in stock. So if you are waiting for one of those and you clicked link on the product page and said notify me when back in stock, well, you'll soon be mm-hmm. getting a notification email. Um, but do pop along. These things seem to disappear quite quickly. And... Yeah. Um, yeah, so if you want one, go and grab. That's about it, really. I think it's uh, it's all about Danger Zone this week for me. Yeah, fair enough. Absolutely. So we should have some more news on uh, soundtrack and the DVD Blu-ray of the concert very, very soon. We're working with our friends at ah, Network yes. to get that to you as soon as possible. Um, yep. I'm looking at finding a way to give you early streaming access so that you know we don't have to keep people waiting too okay. much longer. But stand by for action on... Stand by for action. Action, yeah. Anyway, you get the idea. Uh, Yeah. There's more stuff going on, but all all eyes on the danger zone. Uh, Let us know if you've got a a copy, Podstrons, and if you've played it. We'd love to hear your thoughts and reviews. Podcast at jerryanderson.com. But for now, that's the end of this week's Jerry Anderson News. That was the news. That was the news. Now, I've just had a thought. If I'm not next week going to say newsy, news, 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 do I also not sing that was the news at the end? Well, why don't you... (gasps) change it wow. up and and imagine and say that that was the news or th- this right. is the news this is the news at the start and then sing oh. newsy oh. news 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 at the end 
Maybe? Okay. Would that oh, work? Wow. Oh, that's so confusing. Okay, I don't mean, do that then. No, I don't. I'll see, I'll see how the mood takes me. Um, now, over on our Facebook group, uh, people have been uh, joining in. The final posted pictures of uh, all their various cosplays and uh, all their latest uh, merch that they bought from the Jerry Anderson store, or just their thoughts in general, really. For example, uh, Matthew Mayhew says, following today's randomizer, he says the torture of Torchy is half over, as mm. Chris Dale has only got 50% of Series 1 left to go. Woohoo! Uh, he says, I think I'm correct that Series 1 is the only series in the randomizer. I wondered what our most and least watched series are. Well, he says, as of Pod 218, the series we've watched the most in percentage terms is. Have a guess, Jamie. Um. Hmm. Lavender Castle. What do you think? No, it's Space Precinct no. at 54%. Yep, that's 13 episodes. In episode terms, it's what, do you think? Uh, Space 1999. It is at 16 <laughs> episodes or 33%. I wonder if Richard's happy about that, says Matthew. Uh, of course. Uh, then he says The Protectors is the series we've watched the least of at 29%, only 15 episodes, most likely due to the sheer number of episodes. Mm. Uh, in episode terms, the small number of the Secret Service and Dick Spanner episodes weighs this down at six and two, respectively. So he's been keeping himself busy, hasn't he? Very Matthew, busy. Thank you for that. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Martin Smiggy-Smith says, I, uh, if anyone was listening to Paul O'Grady's last ever BBC Radio 2 show this evening, you may have noticed he signed off his 14-year stint with a certain Fireball XL5 soundbite. Oh dear. Many a time, Paul would reference Jerry Anderson's shows, making many believe he's a true fan, maybe yes. a future podcast guest. Well, now that I he's do retired. hope so. We've, we have, uh, you know, chatted on occasion about the potential of that, and we are yeah. okay. vaguely in touch with Paul's now, I guess, ex-producer, Malcolm. So, uh -huh. yeah. Yeah, Great. fingers crossed. Wouldn't that be nice? You never know. It would be lovely. Uh, Mark Perkins posted a picture of a, a torchy puppet he'd recently found, saying, Fabulous day at the Sci-Fi Model Show at Cromford Mills today. Photos of most of the models have been shared, but I think I might have been the only one to spot this. And yes, it's torchy, thankfully hidden away, out of the view of small children and adults of a nervous disposition. <sighs> uh, the Dalek roaming around outside was scary enough, but just imagine the terrified screams if this creation had been let loose. Yeah, much worse. Ooh. Or torchy. Yeah. Actually riding a Dalek. Oof. Oh, don't. That is the stuff of nightmares. Yeah. Uh, Gary Hodgkinson was there too and posted lots of pictures. Cromford Mills, Sci-Fi Event 2022. Plenty of Anderson stuff to see in all uh, a great show, says Gary. So that's nice. Mm -hmm. uh, and finally for now, James Charles Munro, who we hear from often these days. He says, uh, I finished listening to UFO Destruct Positive today. Yes, I was so keen to listen to it. I didn't wait for the CD to arrive, but went straight for the digital download. And, spoiler free, he says... It's utterly fantastic. Ugh. A perfect reimagining and prequel to the series while keeping the absolute same tone. Top marks and congratulations to everyone involved. You all did fantastic jobs. I can't wait for the next volume. Though, I wonder if the reason they're having trouble on Moonbase is because no one has come up with a good reason for the purple wigs yet. Yeah, well, definitely. the nice thing is an audio. We don't have to worry too much about those because unless <laughs> everybody's right. going to mention it every scene, um, yeah. we can just pretend like it never happened. Yeah, that's right. Uh, while listening, James says, I pictured Straker exactly as he was in the show, but interestingly, I visualised Freeman looking much younger, and the rest of the cast had much different looks in my mind from the show. My brain is funny that way. When I listen to the Terrorhawks audios, I picture them as anime. <laughs> really? Uh, it's interesting, isn't it? Uh, I think Barnaby Kay does quite a nice kind of Straker-ish 
voice. Yeah. He's not trying to slavishly mimic him, but it, there's there's a quality there that feels quite yeah. quite similar. But I get I get you. Yeah, Sam Clemens as uh, as Freeman. Uh, yes, who does a really nice job there. I think. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's great. It's fun. great. Yeah, very nice. Uh, all for now, but do let us know your thoughts on our Facebook group. Uh, pop on over, answer a couple of questions. They'll let you in. Be nice to everybody. Join in the fun. I mean, that's just two good rules for life, really. That that really is. Be nice to everybody and join in the fun. Yeah. There you go. Okay, done. Well, that's my mantra going forward. Uh, Excellent. Would you like an interview, Richard James? Because you're, uh, you're getting well, one whether you like it yeah, or not, unfortunately. i, I tell you what, though. I'd like a second part of an interview if you've got one. Oh, well, that's very lucky because this... Ah. Second part follows on yes. from the first part last week. Great, great. Uh, it's Shaggy Levacon talking UFO uh-huh. 2. Well, UFO and UFO Volume 2, the comic anthologies and how we put them together. And also I did ask him what he'd like to see in the future. So that's always quite interesting too. So, yes. It's Shaggy Part 2. In terms of... I don't want to pit them against each other, but Jerry Haylock versus John M. Burns and the, mm. the two different collections... How, how do their styles compare and contrast? I'm not going to ask you to pick a favourite, unless you'd like to. But <laughs> um, what are the hallmarks of both, I guess? To myself, Jerry Haylock always had the edge because whilst his line and wash, I don't want to say it's basic, it's, it's very concise, it's very clean. And that's what I think most people remember, particularly if they started with Countdown but maybe didn't continue into the TV action era. He, it's not photorealism, but it's obvious that he just has a way of getting the figures right. Um, you might call it sketchy, but it's it's very clean, and his layouts and his colouring are very vivid, very dynamic. John M. Burns, again, a lot of colour, a lot of dynamism, and obviously he has a massive following. I mean, there's a uh, John M. Burns... Uh, appreciation group on Facebook, and they've been waiting for Volume Two to come out. Well, when I, when I said that with you know UFO Volume One is is coming out soon, and they said, "Is it got any John Burns?" And I said, "No." And they said, "Ah, <laughs> uh, sorry, you'll have to wait for Volume Two. But that that was that was the way that uh, the volumes had to fall." Yeah, I mean, certainly for my uh, original listing, I wanted. To put all the strips in chronological order so the holiday specials and the annuals fell chronologically but the problem with volume one is that the first half of the strips are color under jerry haylock and then they go to black and white until the advent of tv action so you've got people like brian lewis and john davis and and others purely as black and white Mm. so there was a rejig and i decided to take the four ufo strips from the annuals which were in color and put those into the to space out the black and white section, as well as obviously some of the features such as the um, the UFO uh, interceptor cutaway from one yeah. of the annuals. Uh, trying to get some of the the color material, which wasn't strips but features, in there just to balance it out. And so that's why it didn't matter much because we had on and off color and black and white through the John Burns period, mm. and so we could put the um, the strips from the holiday specials, which is black and white and duotone, into that, as well as ha- having more uh, feature content with, with colour images as well. So yeah. I think the mix was the right balance. I'd like to think it was. Yeah, well, that's the the artistic and editorial bit, isn't it? Because it's not just a mm-hmm. case of let's take these all in order and, you know, wha- whack them into one volume in order done. 
it's mm. uh, there's a lot more to it than that. In terms of the style of the stories, uh, kind of editorially, I guess. Two mm. two questions. So for people who don't know the UFO comics but want to give them a try, how close mm. are they to to the series? My other the other half of that is between canon and TV action. Is there a marked change in in style, or is it does it feel like a continuation? This was why I originated the features, which are in both ones, called from screen to script. I mean, usually you get from script to screen, which is how an original TV or film script differs from being written to how it's actually produced on screen. Obviously, with this, what I'm doing is taking UFO as a television series, and I did watch all 26 episodes again, and how does the strip compare? And initially, it's very close. You know, it's almost like you are reading adaptations or episodes. But obviously, you can't maintain that. The aliens are an enigma. They don't really speak. Uh, their motives are unclear. And so I think it's with about the fifth or sixth strip, they start to have the aliens communicating and speaking English. That comes to the fore with the, the story called Arctic Affair, which was around issue 30 or so of Countdown. And then they started adding uh, thought bubbles. So even if they don't speak, we know what they're thinking. We know what their motives are, which when you actually have a strip and it has to be a concise storyline you need to have this kind of shorthand i mean yeah. with the longer serials that it started off with it didn't matter so much when you're as it was when they went to black and white you have six black and white pages and that is your story because they're all complete installments then there has to be some progression i mean i think if ufo had gone to another series maybe the motives of the aliens would have been slightly more clear or they would have introduced one to communicate and so there's a veering away from the original format simply because the storytelling had to be a lot tighter. Whether that was a good move, I don't know. Sometimes you have very powerful stories where seeing what the aliens are saying and thinking it works. Other times you have very cliched <laughs> dialogue and it doesn't, it doesn't really work. I mean, there's one where an alien has crashed in the the hillbilly territory in America and he threatens someone and he says speak or I'll press this trigger and destroy your face and I'm thinking I don't think we would have heard that in the Jerry Anson series <laughs> doesn't feel quite like the same writing does it no, no I mean maybe later in Space Precinct that would have been appropriate but certainly Ooh. at the time <laughs> okay so you know evolving as all these things do yes I guess yeah. and th through its evolution then as you've revisited all this stuff, have you picked out any favourites along the way? It was difficult to pick actual favourites at, at the time because I always go back to the ones I remember from childhood. I do remember one called The Snatch where Paul Foster uh, in, a, in a, a Moonbase Interceptor is kidnapped by a UFO mothership and taken to their home planet. That's one I do remember. I also remember the one from the first Countdown Holiday special. Um, at the time, we didn't have the, the internet or the news network, so it was a matter of going down to the local news agents and actually seeing it on the shelf and you know, asking mum and dad to buy it for me. Um, the, the one set in, I think it's Brazil or the Amazonian jungle. And whilst I'm not sure whether I actually had Countdown and TV action from beginning to end, I know I did stop getting it towards the latter 
TV action issues. I do remember A Small World, which was John M. Burns' debut strip, where uh, Straker is miniaturized to half an inch tall and uh, <laughs> and um, inadvertently taken on board uh, an alien space station. They, they tow his uh, lunar module in. And then, <laughs> even more bizarrely, Paul Foster is miniaturized to pilot, use the term pilot, an alien robot well a, a robot in the shape of an alien so it's like a trojan horse thing um it's nice. a completely bizarre storyline with elements that would never have appeared in the series but because it was actually seven parts and each part with three pages it was the longest ufo strip and it certainly wow. had impact for me because i remember it years on and i think other people do as well uh, i suppose i'll ask you um not that we can necessarily guarantee it but if you could choose a collection to do next or in the future mm. not not for the wider world or whatever but purely one that would interest you the most and you think would have have the most kind of visual interest i guess in being collected what would that be and why um, out of the anderson strips i take oh yeah 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 we're not going beyond anderson strips there are no more strips on <laughs> beyond anderson strips Jackie, as we know but from the anderson ones I'm a big fan of Captain Scarlet. I mean, also Space 1999. Um, but I think the TV21 Scarlet strips have never been collected in their entirety. Obviously, we have Ron Embleton starting it. I'm lucky enough to actually own an original Embleton spread from TV21. And then it goes to Mike Noble with other artists before uh, Jim Watson takes over fully. And certainly, which may be surprise some people because they never re- actually reached that conclusion uh, I hope it's not a spoiler but the Mistrons are actually defeated at the end of the TV21 uh, strips and I would like to see that come together as a collection whether it happens is another matter <laughs> but uh, we I'm, can't, I'm just I'm just a pen for hire when it comes to putting them together <laughs> you're the one who tells me right this is the one we're doing well I would say <laughs> it is, it, I think it's I'd like to think it's collaborative in that you know we, we are we're tapping your expertise and you're saying these things haven't been collected. These things could be. These have mm-hmm. already, but you know, maybe we could do them in a different way. So it's 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 all a kind of again an evolving process, I guess. Finally, for me, Shaki, really, in terms of how how the UFO comics stand up against the rest of the the Anderson canon. I mean, people will always point to TV Twenty One and mm-hmm. the Ambleton work and Mike Noble and others and say that that's the kind of the the pinnacle and obviously later we've got stuff like terror hawks and even a tiny collection of space precinct comics but we <laughs> may not be collecting those anytime soon how do they stand up for you and, and how do they feel in the context of all, all the other anderson comics work well uh, both ufo and space 1999 uh yeah ufo space Nine, and captain scarlet other series which i'm that they i would say they're my top three so obviously ufo was one I wanted to kind of lay the foundations of where we would go with future anthologies. Sorry, what was the question? <laughs> how, how does UFO sit in the, in oh, the context it sit, of it? Right. Yeah. Um, well, again, because it was live action and it was an attempt by the Andersons to make an adult series rather than something for children, it was something which, as you're aware, confused the television station at the time. They didn't know whether to put it on late at night, which I think they did initially and they didn't do well. And they actually did better when it was put on in the afternoon so that children could watch it. I mean, 
uh, I was in the London area, and UFO apparently didn't start until the autumn of 71. So I must have been reading Countdown before I'd actually seen the series on television. Where does it stand? I think it has a massive following of its own. And I think that, I think that's what kind of what goes against it. I mean, I still have a fondness for the series. I have a fondness for Space 1999, both years, you know, for, for good or bad. Um, but I'm, I'm aware of the failings of it. And, you know, you have to consider what does appeal to not just those who have been fans from when they first saw it, but also now, you know, it's UFO seems very basic compared to modern science fiction that's on television, simply because they can do so much more. But I guess despite that, it's got its own psychological edge, its own sort of darkness and quirkiness and... Oh, oh, absolutely. That would be unexpected. As I say, you know, it's it's a series I'm fond of. Um, You have an an enigmatic enemy. You're never sure what is going on there, which... Mm. To some viewers, may be frustrating because they'd like things to be wrapped up or um, there to be more of an arc. Um, I mean, UFO was an early series where they did actually have an internal continuity regarding Straker's marriage and things mm. like that. You know, it's a very human series. Yes, um, a very human series with very enigmatic alien adversaries. Mm. So <laughs> amazing. Uh, well, Jack, you've done a an astonishing job uh, on the two volumes and I'm really glad to see them kind of completed and collected this way and I uh, well there's some other stuff I'm sure we're we'll working on but we can't talk about yet nudge nudge wink wink <laughs> uh, when the time comes I hope you'll come back on and um, and have another chat about those because okay, uh, yes. I always learn things talking to you about the <laughs> the strips that I just had no idea about before so yes here's to UFO 1 and 2 and uh, I'm sure we'll speak again on another Anderson property in the not-too-distant future. Okay. Thank you, Clever Shaggy. Thank you for all your hard work. I know there's lots of appreciative people out there who've uh, really enjoyed the work on the anthologies. And, uh, well, who knows what's next, but I don't think you'll have to wait long to find out. Oh, how long? What are we talking? I can't tell you that. A couple of weeks. Well, it's a rough idea. A few weeks. A few weeks. Okay. Anyway, if you want to get a copy of the anthology or anthologies, go to anderdotson slash UFOs. That's UFOs. And you'll find links to volume one and two right there. Next week, someone different. Oh, really? (laughs) Who could that be? Uh, Yeah, you'll have to wait and see. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jamie, I'm going to ask you an impossible question here. Brilliant. Love that. But I'd like you to try very hard to answer it, okay? Yes. What do you think, over the last five or six years, is the best item of merchandise that has been produced for the Jerry Anderson store? Space 1999 Moonbase Alpha Technical Operations Manual Special Edition. Whoa! I thought okay. I just think it was oh, a lovely thing, a lovely, lovely thing. Yeah. And I know a lot. You know, it, it yeah. sold out in two hours, um, which was That's just right. incredible. Uh, and we we really really loved putting it together. It was a lot of hard work by everybody. Um, yeah. And so yeah, that that's been quite quite special to this point. But you know, yeah. there's more stuff. Oh, more to out, come probably. So. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to ask you what the worst piece of merchandise was. No. It's not good. Was it those office uh, or in underpants that oh, you had uh, printed yeah. for the concert? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just the one. Yeah. Uh, particularly um, when they were but worn by Paul, who won yes. them. In the yes. lobby area of the uh, Symphony Hall, <laughs> yes. that was quite disturbing, Paul. Yes, so thank you for is. that. 
it's burned onto my retina that image yeah it won't quite go away you know like when you look at the sun and then look away and you still see that yeah yeah <sighs> over on twitter people have been hashtagging <laughs> jerry anderson podcast and tagging me uh richard and james him over there i'm jamie anderson mm. and him over there standing by with a big red button on the randomizer chris dalek for example mr gobo toes says uh, change of shift patterns this week, Tuesday to Saturday. So I had a free Monday, which I wasted chilling in the garden, listening to a mix of serial care podcasts oh. and Jerry Anderson themed tunes. Good mix. As you do. Yeah, isn't it? A lot of love for UFO, actually, at the moment. Uh, Ian24 tweeted, one of the most iconic shows of the 70s and 80s was Jerry Anderson's UFO. And still, it is as iconic as ever. You can catch all episodes on Freeview in the UK, Channel 41. That's the legend channel. All episodes of uh, UFO. Alex Gayhart says, I've been listening to UFO podcasts. Uh, this guy keeps making a case that Jerry Anderson's work on UFO is better than the effects on 2001. Whew. Says Alex, well, I love UFO as well, but dot, dot, dot. Hmm. What do you think? <laughs> well, I'm not commenting. No, I'm biased. Possibly. Yeah. Uh, Jason Gorman says, Jerry Anderson's UFO accurately predicted that in 1980 we'd be able to detect objects travelling at eight times the speed of light and intercept them with ballistic missiles using computers that store data on tape and that living on the moon turns women's hair bright purple. It's true. All of that came true, didn't it, in the 1980s? Absolutely. Uh, not one yeah. inaccuracy uh, in the whole no. show. No, quite right. Uh, Sci-Fi <laughs> Toys posted a picture of a Stingray sweet cigarette box from 1964 with 43 original cards, which just goes to show how much times have changed. Just a uh, bit. Don't think you get away with that now. And finally, for now, Carl Jones tweeted, anyone remember the Jerry Anderson exhibition in Blackpool, late 70s or very early 80s, if my memory serves? Uh, there were several, weren't there? There was Space City and then they, they did right. uh, early 90s, late 80s, early 90s at the Winter Garden and somewhere else. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, there were quite a nice. few across the years in Blackpool. I mean, it'd be nice to see one of them again, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah. In a town Ooh, somewhere yes. near us. Oh, mm. yeah. That'd be great. Oh, yeah. 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 Anyway, yes, if you're on Twitter, hashtag us Jerry Anderson Podcast. And you never know, I might read out your tweets next time. Uh, promises, promises. Yeah, that's but, me all over. But he probably will, to be fair. So I probably will. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Richard James, I think we both earned a break. Don't you? Oh, yes. I think you're right. <laughs> I don't mean, like, for, for any serious length of time. We I mean for oh, a few I minutes. Thought you'd a, I thought you booked us somewhere nice. <laughs> Room with a view. No. B bed and breakfast, full English. Uh, no. no. We, we, what did you time? mean, then? No, I, I meant oh, that okay. we'd maybe let Chris do a randomizer instead. Oh, oh. Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. Is fair that enough. all right? Yeah? Mm. Okay. It's not as good as a weekend away at a B&B &B with a full English breakfast. And a not lovely quite, sea, but, but oh, well, okay. you know, another time. Yeah. But for now, All right. uh, it's yes. the randomizer where the randomizer himself, Chris Dale, will give us a random episode of a random Jerry Anderson show and comment upon it, probably with some amusing quips and observations along the way. So uh, over to you, Chris Randomizer Dale. Black pudding, baked beans, you know, tinned tomatoes or... Fried mushrooms, delicious. What about fried, fried bread? bread. Oh, yeah, definitely. Sausage, bacon. Yeah, all the yeah, cool. all the gubbins. Lovely. May I welcome you to the conference room of the Spectrum Intelligence Agency? Ah, well, thank you very much, Mr. World President. Good to see you've had some stairs put in at last. Space General Peterson. Hello, General. 
Dr. Giardello. How do you do, Doctor? And this is my good friend, Marina. I think we're ready to begin. Uh, thank you, World President. Ah, yes, begin with this week's randomizer, you mean. Although after last week's fiasco, I'm not sure I could trust it any further than I could throw it. However far that might be. We anticipate something like 50 yards. Oh, you've done the maths on that, have you? Okay, good. Uh, gentlemen, if you'll gather around. Oh, and Marina, you of course too. Yes, thank you, Dr. Giardello. Well then, this is the randomizer. Amazing. And it seems so easy to operate. It is, General. Here, try it for yourself. Press this button. That's it, General. Well done. I take it you're already familiar with the randomizer, Dr. Giardello? The principle is simple. And with this knowledge, the rest was relatively easy. Ah, okay. Well then, there's the printout. And pull soul. That's it. And today we have Fireball XL5, Drama at Space City. A positive result. Yes, indeed. I do seem to remember it's a good one. I think you've shown us a remarkable achievement. Ah, thank you, old president. So, when can we watch it? Immediately. Sounds good. Is a screen necessary? Well, yes, because otherwise we wouldn't be able to see it, would we? You silly space general, you. So, we welcome back to the randomizer Fireball XL5 with Drama at Space City, or, as this opening might suggest, uh, a completely different episode, The Doomed Planet. Because we are in fact opening with a clip from that episode. Uh, I guess this episode was running short in editing or something, and they just decided to stick a couple of minutes of, of old clips on here. It's a bit strange, especially to open the episode that way, but we see now there's a fade from that to... This diary sure has some hair-raising sequences in it. Steve reading his diary. And um, we now transition to a, a quite a long clip from the triads of all episodes, which we've already covered on the randomizer. And uh, quite recently on the um, on the Jerry Anderson website, although I say recently, it's probably going to be about uh, a month and a half at this point by the time you, you hear this, because I'm quite ahead of myself actually on the randomizer at the moment. <laughs> could see someone's taking the time to write up this diary but on dvd you could never quite make out what it says now on blu-ray it's crystal clear so i typed up there's an article on the website steve zodiac's uh, diary and someone's gone to such trouble to three times the size. not only to recount the events of the story but to make it feel like steve you would think if someone did this with a show now they would say you know i think there's a joke in dick spanner if you are reading this you're not pay paying attention to the plot but someone's really gone to a lot of time for this one filler scene to create Steve Zodiac's diary. And I love that the events of the triads, you can see his diary entry, um, ends with the words, Now a vacation. Well, not that. Um, that's the next day. Uh, but his, his diary entry for the triads ends with the words, My athlete's foot is much better. I didn't know Steve was suffering from athlete's foot when I watched the triads, but knowing that now, it uh, it helps make his uh, his um, efforts there all the more admirable. But yes, we've we've had uh, two minutes of clips there. I guess it's only just to pad out an episode that was underrunning, and now they're off on vacation, Steve and Venus. And this is one of the things I. This is one of the reasons I was really looking forward to seeing this episode come up, and I'm very happy that it has today because it does a very interesting thing of essentially sidelining the three main characters. Oh, Venus. Steve and Venus are off on holiday. We will see them, but not for very long. And don't forget, no calls unless it's really urgent. We don't want to be in this episode, and uh, Matt will spend most of it in bed. So we get to spend more time with the uh, Space City uh, characters, which is very nice. I do like when a show 
a, a sci-fi show takes time to sort of explore its own world and its own settings more. Uh, you know, some people, I think it's the same with Star Trek. I kind of like it when they stay on the Enterprise rather than go to a planet. I don't know what that says about me. Martian crunches today from the Superstore so I can have the launching ramp to go with my Fireball XL5 model. Which you can buy at all good stores, toy stores up and down the country right now, only for however much it was at the time. Gee, Mom. That's a bit of blatant product placement there for the show. Now, now, Jonathan. Although, interestingly, you know, they've, they've reached that point now with XL5 that I guess maybe they didn't quite hit with Supercar, where they know the show is a merchandising success while they're making it. Anyway, Steve and Venus have gone to... Delicious chocolate, Uncle Hans. Just the thing after a long journey. Uncle Hans's... Um, cabin. Oh, it's such a pity, Matt, isn't Where it? are they? I, th I, I think it might be Switzerland. Chalet. Ah, he works too hard, that one. <laughs> and Uncle Hans, with his, he's got a very big pipe. And I'm not sure what's in it. Um, but yes, Matic is working on in his laboratory something which I'll be able to tell you about once we get past this shot of the sign saying do not disturb on the door. Oh, he's dismantled Robert. Oh, that's a bit of a grim image. Seeing one of our regulars dismembered like that. His arm joined bushes. You sure were overdue for a service, Robert. I suppose I should have asked you before I took your head and arms off. Well, I hope I did the right thing having the Lazoon to stay with us while Steve and Venus are on vacation. Oh, yeah. What could possibly go wrong with that idea? With Eleanor, I guess it's okay. Yeah. Stick him up, Lazo. And, uh, yeah, despite the fact that we're going to spend a lot of time this week with uh, Jonathan Zero, one of the uh, more... No, Zuni. Stick him up. I'm well, sorry. Well, more often seen Super Mario Nation child characters, unfortunately. Jonathan and the Lazo... I like the, the, the exploration of the Zero family life in this episode because it's... Um, Dysfunctional, bordering on... Quiet. I am trying. I don't know. <laughs> it's a really... Of all the family... And it's it's rare because this is a complete family. Mother, father and son. And for this week only, a Lazoon. But they're so... There's, there's just barely suppressed rage for each other. She's sick, Wilbur. She's always sick, your mother. But what about Jonathan and the Lazoon? Well, I can't take them with me, Wilbur. You'll have to look after them. What? And run a space city? Okay, we're having the, the two characters are having this conversation over the phone, by the way, on a split screen. I think Zero's screen might be a bit wider, but it's. Uh, I, I've discovered myself in video editing. It's hard to make a, a precise split screen and give both sides equal time or equal space, I should say. Anyway, here's an interesting scene. Well, it may not be super space speed, but it's good to be skating again. I feel really relaxed for the first time in years. Remember, I was on the Triads planet the other day with my athlete's foot. I hope this doesn't cause it to flare up again. Yeah, an ice skating scene, uh, similar to the one in Stingray, but it the, the one in Stingray, you've got to say, is far more accomplished, even though Uncle Hans is there watching them, puffing away on his pipe. Um, but the skating in this does look quite convincing. Uh, the only thing I would say let it lets it down, again, in comparison to Stingray, is in Stingray, they were actually moving the legs... You know, I, I can I can remember like characters like Fisher sort of striding out, whereas these two are keeping their feet, you know, their legs firmly rigid. And while Steve and Venus are having their skating party in Space City, chaos reigns as uh, Jonathan and Zuni, because of course Zero is looking after Zuni, 
run amok in the control room. Because I guess Space City doesn't have any babysitting stuff. Ah, there's that shot. Zero takes Jonathan's balloons away from him and he gets carried off up to the ceiling. There's a lot of wacky comedy in this scene, but again, I do like, as I said, the fact that Jonathan Zero is in this episode quite a bit. He is an annoying character, as we can see there, he's drawn all over the control room. But A, his love for his dad is quite obvious, considering he's just written the word pop on the screen with a little stick figure of his dad. But I like the pairing of Jonathan and Zuni. It's an unusual combination and it works quite well. Uh, I kind of wish we'd seen it in other episodes. This, this very precocious little boy and this very dopey alien. And lovely, lovely transition from chaos at Space City back to ice skating. At this point, you may be thinking, when's the plot going to arrive? Because it seems so far that we've just got characters kind of um, kicking back and uh, either taking breaks or you know, catching up on routine maintenance with Robert, as uh, as Matic is here. He's giving him an oil before he puts him in front of the XL5 simulator, flight simulator thingy. Sir, only Neutroni is non-operational. Get the Neutroni engineers to fix it first thing in the morning. Okay, sir. Gee, Pop. Can we go for a ride in Fireball now? For the last time, no, Jonathan. Oh, go on, Pop. Be a real boss guy. Nah. If you don't go and sit down, I'll break all the psychological rules for parents and belt you. Whoa. Okay. Yeah, Pop. Some parents wouldn't wouldn't even threaten. They just do it. Mom hadn't gone away. Yeah, you can say that again. I hate you with every fiber of my being. Bishop. Boy, is my pop in need of psychoanalysis. Ah. Wait till I tell the parent psychologist about him. Whoa, is this a regular thing? You have a parent psychology meeting? What the hell's going on in the Zero household? I love it. They are so dysfunctional. It's beautiful. Power A-OK. Oh, dear. So anyway, they seem to be running some kind of tests on, on XL5. Surprisingly, for an episode that takes place largely in Space City... I don't think we see Jock this week. Oh, oh welcome. Of course, we have Venus. Uh, not Venus. That's not Venus. That's her annoying pet, Zuni, hanging around. Full power. And I'm looking at the uh, episodes that the randomizer has selected here. Cut full power. We don't want... For XL5. And I think... Full power. A-OK. This is... Um, hold on a second. Power. This is like... We've gone Granitoid Tanks, Dangerous Cargo, 1875, Robot Freighter Mystery, Drama at Space Cities. That's five episodes. We've done a five-episode block now of conse uh, consecutive XL5 episodes, which is um, quite something. It shows we are getting through them. Good power. Good, Robert. I reckon your reactions were at least three seconds faster. And now that I've given you a good overhaul... I'm sure you'll never blow your top ever again. So, night time. <laughs> I love that the control room is still total chaos. That kid, like a human thruster pack. <laughs> Good thing we don't have to defend the Earth from alien invasion or something, because that could be unfortunate. Oh. Yes, let's leave the dangerously unpredictable robot alone on XL5. Oh, of course, he's not alone. Matt's aboard. Yeah, you. But it's time for bed. Suppose I ought to take the sedative pills Venus prescribed. <laughs> I mean, she prescribed them five years ago. I haven't taken one yet, and it's not done me any harm. You always tell when I'm telling a lie. 
even if it is a white one. And here's an interesting shot. Your dear mother, Eleanor. Firstly, two two adults in the same bed together. It's quite unusual for a, for a Super Mario Nation show. Um, but Zero is reading a book named Stargazing with a picture of Supercar on the front. He needs a psychiatrist real bad. Oh, nonsense, Wilbur. Anyway, shall we try for another kid? Ah, yeah, why not? But then in the long shot of Zero and Eleanor, uh, the Stargazing title has fallen off Zero's book and it is just Supercar. Also, here we are in Jonathan's room, he's got a model of Supercar. And I would have to assume that's some kind of leftover prop from the series. Very nice to see some uh, some nods to Supercar here. And an interesting set as Jonathan... Come on, wake up, you lazy old... ...has snuck out to the uh, launch ramp, XL5. And there's a map painting in the background. No, it's not a map painting. They've built, they've built a very small... No! model set that's no good to imply distant buildings and towers and things and it doesn't quite come off because the perspective isn't really there but at the same time it, it kind of does work um it's an it's an interesting oh no kind of bold attempt to create full power a larger world welcome no 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 zuni full power Oh, Zuni, you'll never make a space pilot. Not like me, the best space pilot in the world, who's just dropped his XL5 toy. That is a plot point there. Yes, Sir uh, Jonathan and Zuni are sneaking aboard XL5 because why not? I mean, what's the worst that could happen? Gee. Gee, isn't that great, Zuni? Just like my psychiatrist said it would be. My psychiatrist, who I definitely go to, and don't just tell my pop that I went and then went down the arcade to play Spaceman. He said it. Hooray. He said it. He said full power. Power. In the presence of... Power. Full power. Robert. Again, nothing could go wrong here. Oh, look, it went wrong. Say, say what's happening. Oh, gee. Oh, this is swell. Oh. Oh, well. And gets rid of Jonathan and Zuni and Robert. Well, we'll miss Robert. Robot. Stop, Robot. Please. Please help. Oh, power. <laughs> Zuni, you're not helping. Power. And this is an episode I, I remember I, I got on the Tape Trading Network back in the day. I think it was from a, an 80s ITV recording. And it, it was just so... such a joy to, to see episodes that had never been released on, on VHS officially in the UK. Emergency! Get me Commander Zero! Oh, this is where it all gets a bit, uh, a bit tense and a bit dramatic. Wilbur! Oh, I thought they were in the same bed, but it looks like the Zeros are in two separate beds. Um, pushed very close together. Why, it's only the red alarm. We're just being invaded, that's all. Lieutenant 90 to Commander Zero. Lieutenant 90 to Commander Zero. What is it, Lieutenant? It's Fireball XL5, sir. An unauthorized takeoff. Oh, dear, all is nice. It'll wait, Jonathan. I'd better go to no him in warning. case... Unless we've been lucky enough to lose him through the night. Shall I do, sir. Call Fire... <laughs> I love that. <laughs> The commander of the Space City and his sidekick. What do we do? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll be right over, Lieutenant. Jonathan. 
Jonathan, honey. And Jonathan has, again, what looks like some kind of missile or a, a another John! spacecraft model in his room. Oh, they've done something to Eleanor's face there. Lenore. Jonathan's gone! Uh, um, she, she's never been the most attractive of puppets, but they... Kimba! They've made her look quite hideouser there. I think they've done something to her eyelids to make her look upset. I said stop, robot! Incorrect, Commander. Do not understand. Wow, this is another fine overhaul Matt's given Robert here. He doesn't understand the word stop. Welcome home! Oh. Oh, you're not helping. I am that, Sony. Oh, if only I could remember the order Pop gave to stop the motors. Halt. Finish. Finito! Comprende! I'm sure we've heard Robert respond to the word stop before. Oh, oh help! Help, Mom! And of course, Matt's aboard, but because he's dosed up to the eyeballs of sleeping tablets, sleep tight tablets, as it says on the label, he's not going to be of any help. Um, I guess Jonathan doesn't know he's a ball. We'll be fireball. But it's going so fast. It must be going at full power. Mm. Whoever is at the controls must be crazy. So it's probably our son. You think Jonathan's on board? <laughs> she came to the same conclusion. After all. Oh, maybe he is. Try not to worry, dear. If what we... we've got to ask ourselves is how attached are we really to our son? Commander, one of the men has oh. just found this. Jonathan. Spaceship! Uh, where? Where was it found, Lieutenant? The model he was holding earlier. Right near the launching ramp, sir. Okay, Lieutenant. Get XL1 ready for takeoff. Yay, XL1 time. Jonathan, baby! Shut up! Um, uh, yeah, I'm glad that they're not going to take Eleanor with them on this rescue mission. But I do really like, I really like um, John Bluthel's shift in performance from, ah, it'll be okay, to this sort of, Oh, oh, it's not going to be okay, is it? Um, tone of voice when he realises it's really Jonathan who's on XL5. And again, it's a lovely... It's a lovely, very believable side to the character that we've seen throughout the show. He's a very grumpy, very cantankerous commander. And you would think with this family, maybe he'd be softer. No, if anything, he's even worse. But when they are in serious danger, you will not stop him from saving his son. So, Zuni. Zuni and Jonathan are searching the ship. Oh, welcome. Finding no one aboard. At least no one who will answer them. You go home now, Eleanor. Just in case he should show up in Space City. I'm tired of looking at your ugly mug. If you say so. That's the wrong way, Eleanor. The door's over there. You're walking towards a wall. Oh, well. Oh, sad music there. Ah, so here we are on XL1. This is good. And who's at the controls? Well, who else is going to take the job? Ready, Lieutenant. XL1 ready for takeoff as soon as we are, sir. And who are we leaving in charge? Uh, the janitor, sir. Full power. This is great, though. I love seeing these two. I, I love the relationship between these two, and I, I, I especially love seeing them charging to the rescue together here aboard XL1. It's just lovely. Ah, meanwhile... These two are still in the story. A lot of skating to get in. And this is a vacation? 
Are you sure you... With my athlete's foot? To the village to get a newspaper, Steve. Ah, uh, no, no. You can pick up my drugs on the way, Steve. You won't look at a paper or TV or listen to the radio the whole time we're here. Ah. Well, if there is any news, we shall hear it soon enough when we get back to Space City. Unless we've been invaded by aliens again. Very well. Yeah. Can't you get any more power? She'll blow up, sir. So will XL5 if we don't reach her soon. Oh, yes, because there's now so much power being channeled into the engines that the needle is going into the danger zone. Incorrect, come on. And Jonathan still can't get through to Robert about stopping. Oh, dear. Robert is a dangerous liability. Base control to XL1. This is a nice shot here, though. Will do. Of Eleanor just sat at home holding Jonathan's XL5 model. Maximum speed. Listening to the radio. The engines must be white hot. And then it cuts to the shot of Jonathan's empty bed. Again with that model of supercar there. Oh. Yeah, considering we're, we're just riding to the rescue of two characters that I don't like, this is very tense and exciting. And oh, there go the engines. Kablooey. Jonathan's knocked out. XL1. XL5 power unit has stopped. I don't like the sound of that. I don't know who that guy is. But, sir! Fire boosters, I say! <gasps> we haven't much time. Any yeah. risk is justified. To save my son, who I hate. Uh, wait, why are we doing this? All right, Robert. Yes, Robert's knocked out as well. Jonathan is thoroughly unconscious. Who does that leave to deal with the fire in the engine room? Well, Somehow he's managed to put on a, a, a fire extinguisher, and he knows how to operate it. It's Zuni. Look at that smoke! She must have been on fire for hours. We better get over there right away. Oh, oh it's so tense and it's so exciting. Oh, this is good stuff. Again, I, I, I really like when Anderson shows, and they don't do it too often, where they put a focus on characters who don't always get the spotlight. It's it's so nice that the, the main characters have just been sidelined totally in favour of the Zeros and, and 90 and Zuni this week. Well, maybe not Zuni. It's very nice. It's very welcome. And smoke just pouring out of every opening to XL5. Every room is full of smoke. Needless to say, uh, Zero and, and Ninety bored with no, no uh, oxygen masks or anything because you know they've had their oxygen pill. Still alive. Oh damn! I mean, good, good. How did it go out? Over here, sir. The lazoon and the ray extinguisher. Oh, that loopy lazoon. He must have more sense than I thought. To put out the fire that he himself caused in the first place. <laughs> a real boss welcome home, eh, Venus? Well, that's the last time we leave Space City for a vacation. Where's Fireball now? The commander is bringing her back. And I think this shot of XL5 coming in to land on fire and then crashing, I think it's reused from another episode. I'm not sure which. I want to say either Spy in Space or Sabotage. They're both probably wrong. Someone will correct me, but I do like this shot Retros. of XL5 just thudding to the ground when Zero's had enough of trying to land this thoroughly broken ship. No power. That does it. He just he just lets it fall. My spaceship. It's brilliant. Again, it's it's a reused shot, but 
I think it fits better here. Get off me, you wretched robot! Ah, that's it. XL5 control room trashed. Robert's in Zero's lap. Uh, Matt's had a good night, though. What a bore sleep. <laughs> Best night I've had for years. But Jonathan, honey, how did Fireball ever take off? I don't know, Mom. I I deny everything, Mom. Welcome home. So, Zuni will not be put on trial for the crime of uh, helping a child hijack a spaceship. Oh dear. Anyway, that was drama at Space City, and I suppose your tolerance for that one kind of depends on how accepting you are of child characters in Super Mario Nation shows and how willing you are to see any effort be made to rescue them. But I love that one. I think that's a really nice change of pace. Again, to have the main characters sidelined just for an episode in favour of, of Zero and Ninety and then the rest is, is very refreshing. I kind of like the dynamic between Jonathan and Zuni, even though it just leads to nothing but trouble. So overall, yeah, I... I mean, my relationship with XL5 is I loved it as a kid, and then when the DVDs came out, I, find, I found it a bit of a harder watch. But doing it on the randomizer, watching, say, one episode every six months, I find that I'm enjoying this show far more than I have for a very long time. So, Drama at Space City, for me at least, is another thoroughly enjoyable episode of XL5. I would be very interested to hear anyone else's thoughts on this, because I don't hear it mentioned enough. Um, yes, if you haven't checked this one out, go and give it a watch on Blu-ray. Well, isn't it funny that after mm. me singing, uh, in very heavy uh, yes. air quotes, the Fireball yes, yes. end theme, yeah. here yeah. we are with the Fireball XL5 episode. Uh, it, yeah, and it is, people won't believe us, but it is completely random. It is random. That was not, that was not planned. The, nope. You know, nope. Fab Fact is random, the randomizer's yeah. random, so it's all yeah. random, and yet sometimes the stars align. So. They do. Yeah. Oh, it's nice, isn't it? Lovely stuff. Uh, yeah. And uh, do you know what? I think it's um, Fireball XL5's 60th anniversary in October. Is it? Are we yeah. doing anything special? I haven't got any plans yet, but um, no. maybe we should do okay. something. If you'd like us to do something, Podstrons, email us podcast at jerryanderson.com with your thoughts for what would be cool for Fireball's 60th anniversary. Yeah, that'd be nice. 28th of October, I think, from the first transmission. Oh, okay. So 60 yeah, years. Lovely. And here we are with Chris watching it, us talking about it, uh, and uh, <laughs> it's bizarre, isn't it? Bizarre. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah, Lovely. It's a real testament, isn't it, to the people that worked on the show back in the day. It's a lovely thing, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. Here, here, to more Fireball XL5. Uh, anyway, look, I am uh, totally out of things to add to this podcast. Are you? Well, me too. I mean, I was, I was, I was burnt out before the randomizer. So, I well, that's why, why you wanted your your holiday, wasn't it, with your fried bread? Yeah, quite right. Oh, oh, fried bread. Oh. Yeah. Anyway, right. I think mm. it's time for us to go and uh, get a, a full English. So, should we leave the yes. postrons to it for another week? Let's do that, and we'll see you next week. Uh, see you next week after we've had a lovely fry up. Cheers, postrons. Bye. Bye. Complete. Let's go. Spectrum is green. 
Now, where do you stand on yes. white pudding? Oh, I've got to see. Yeah. I've got a breakfast question for you as well. But white right. pudding, totally happy. Yeah, yeah I mean, yes. if uh, in an ideal world, yeah, I would have. Uh, oh, I'm actually salivating thinking about this. Mm. Um, I I had a trip to Scotland a while ago and I had a, bra- a breakfast. A breakfast. Yeah, it was a, a breakfast. Bre- yes. It was in fact a, a breakfast. breakfast. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It was. It was actually a breakfast where it was served with black pudding, white pudding, and haggis. Oh yes, and I that love was, haggis. That was quite something. Mm, that um, sounds amazing. Oh, my stomach's rumbling now. Goodness me. Oh yeah, yeah. Hash so, browns. Oh yeah. I mean, the more Always. the more the merrier. There's very you few things that on. you can add on where I'm going to go. Oh no, not that. Yeah, a bit of fish, aubergine. Yeah, <laughs> chuck it all on. Yeah, custard, tarabas, nice. Oh yeah. All oh, that. Um, brilliant. No, my my question to you was um, hmm. bean placement. So oh yeah, right. Some people serve the beans in a little mm. ramekin. I don't or something, no. and I always immediately dump it onto yeah, a piece of on toast. Ah, oh, yes, yes, absolutely. And if if you, you do. do it in any other way, then you're wrong. Yeah. Well, now, now you need to talk to Charlotte about this because she has a whole egg tomato thing going on. In that they must not be next to each other on the plate. What? They cannot touch. Even the bean juice must not touch an egg. Otherwise, it's the whole meal ruined. Yeah, is that strange? <laughs> that is ridiculous. But now I know that if I I'm know. ever near her when she's eating breakfast, all I need to do is flick yes. some bean juice on her eggs. Yeah. <laughs> and then <laughs> yeah. the breakfast is mine. Ha-ha! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good thinking. Good. Right, well, perhaps we can attack mm. on two fronts. You can push the tomato towards the egg. I'll get the baked bean sauce ready. Uh, okay. And between us, we'll get an extra half a yeah. breakfast each. Yeah, like a pincer movement. And a grumpy Charlotte. Nice, let's do Good. it. Good. Oh, I'm so hungry. Mm. Right. Oh, me too. I'm starving now. Let's go get a fry up. In fact, if you listen very carefully, you might be able to hear my stomach. Gosh. Yeah, it's a very hungry slow-mo you've got there. You have been listening to the Jerry Anderson Podcast. Wasn't it fun? You have been listening to an Anderson Entertainment production.